Welcome to the Perfect First Layer Podcast, a bi-weekly podcast where we answer questions from you, the 3D printing community. My name is Guy Dunlap from Guy's Shop, and with me today, as always, are my co-hosts, JJ and Nathan. Hello. Hello. Hello, hello. And we do depend on your questions for this podcast, so if you have one for our panel, please go to perfectfirstlayer.com, go to the submit page, and send it. You can also email us at JJ. At perfectfirstlayer at gmail.com. Nice. And we also have a Patreon, and we only have one level right now. We're simply asking for a small donation to help keep this podcast going. So please go to patreon.com slash perfectfirstlayer. So what do you got going on in the lab right now, JJ? I just got in the Creality K1. So running a ton of tests, filming a ton, editing a little review for it. That's the big thing. Do you have any sneak peek uh, tips for us? It's really good. And the enclosure helps so well for uh, ABS and ASA printing. Uh, it was just flawless. So super impressed with that. I might have to reprint my Voron parts now that I've got. It's really good. Um, as always, I feel like Creality oversells themselves in their advertising. Um, sure. so it's very like... Don't go with the average. It's not going to print 600 millimeters per second all the time. Um, and their slicer isn't great. Their profiles aren't as fleshed out as bamboo, but it works. It works really well. <laughs> like, yeah, I was going to ask about yeah. the slicer it comes with. It. So it's uh, just a rebranded Cura thing? Yes, yeah. Um, and so it has some nice things like the Wi-Fi uploading of files works really well. Um, but there's other things of the slicer that it's, there's only like two profiles for the printer. Um, and so it's, it seems bare bones, like a early release printer and they still need to flesh it out a little bit. Yeah. Um, well, you got one of the, we were talking about it last podcast. You got one of the engineering samples. Yeah. So they're not so, fully out to customers yet. So did Nathan. Nathan was first to the market with the uh, YouTube video. Congrats. Yeah, it's it's pretty sweet. It's almost too much attention on me, though. <laughs> you know, if you're the first person to come out and say, hey, this printer's pretty good, you know, it's like for, for once, Creality actually released a, an awesome printer straight out of the box. Everyone's like, shill. <laughs> like, <laughs> it completely uh, overshadows anything I had to say in the video. So, but... Yeah, um, it was we'll kind of funny. Oh, I was just saying, that was kind of funny. I saw your video there and, and you were showing like the wall of crap from Creality that you've <laughs> you've always talked about. And it was really surprising that you got yours so fast and nobody else did. Right. It doesn't well, seem think, like anybody else did. Yeah, it seems like um, one of the things that I always do with my Creality printers is I fix the things that are broken on them. So like you know, basically every printer comes with some obvious weak points and I always like, you know, work on them and kind of try and improve them and share that feedback with the community and with Creality themselves. Sure. So um, I think that kind of builds some trust with the company when you're, you know, willing to work with their product, even despite its shortcomings. So, I mean, maybe that got me a little leeway or uh, a favor with them. But I mean, at the end of the day, it's a pretty good printer and I'm, I'm hoping that my uh, opinions will be somewhat vindicated by other reviewers, but you know, you never know what other people's experiences are going to be. Well, I don't think anybody would ever accuse you of being a Creality fanboy. Yeah, so that's for sure. I, I, I think I think you're safe. Take yourself. Well, yeah. I mean, I might be a fanboy now, though. <laughs> <laughs> if they keep printing, if they keep producing printers like this, and you know, actually put the the engineering and design work in up front instead of offloading it to their customers, then, you know, that's a pretty good change for them. One of the things I was, I'm, I'm interested to see, I've, I will be getting one sooner or later, but one of the production ones, and that's something that we talked about last time also. What I know on the bamboo, there's really not much you can upgrade or mod. Is there anything that can really be done on the Creality printer? It really doesn't look like it to me. Um, what, what are your thoughts on it, JJ? The one I was thinking of putting a air filter on the back because the K1 Max, I think, comes with a, or at least in their advertising, comes with a little carbon filter on the back versus the regular one has 
looks like it has a slot for it that you could mount a filter on the back. So I was like, oh, that'd be an easy little mod to add onto the back. Doesn't uh, it have an exhaust fan though? Yeah, it's got a, it's a, just a pl- plain exhaust fan. And so just strapping a filter to it yeah. um, would be an easy mod I will probably do. But on the inside, it's pretty, pretty bare bones in there. It's got everything it needs and nothing it doesn't really. Yeah, that's um, how they're hitting the price point. Yeah. I think the the big difference between it and the P1, uh, the P1P mechanically is the frame. So with the, the K1, it's like a one piece die cast frame on the top and the bottom. And then they've got extrusions connecting the top and bottom together. Um, and since they're using like beefy aluminum parts, it's, I think it is probably stronger and lighter than the P1P. Um, and it just makes it look a lot cleaner in its integration versus yeah. the, the P1P looks like a, I don't know, like a very machine like bare bones device versus the, even the low end K1, um, looks very nice. Yeah. The yeah, P1P, P1... it does have the, the, the impression of something that's just kind of not finished. <laughs> but it, but it still works really well. I mean, right. you know, look looks aren't everything. It's and like they, if you took the fenders off of your car and then just were driving around. It still works. Yeah. It still works. It still works. Um, they sort of put it on you to print out the the pretty parts to the printer so you can make it whatever you want. Yeah, they, they, they turned it into what we call in the woodworking industry. It's a design feature. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's not a yeah. bug. It's a feature. Well, yeah, I think I think a lot of people like modifying their printers, and mm-hmm. the the Bamboo Lab approach is to not let you modify anything important. So they're like, "How can we let people modify it without it actually affecting anything?" Yeah, or how can we turn not putting anything on the outside of it into a, a like I said, a design feature? Yeah. Yeah. This is a good yeah. thing. It's a good thing. What is there, is there anything else that you think you could really mod on that? that printer or it's just so, it is what it is so i talked i was at uh rapid tct which is a, a big 3d printing convention in chicago um and i talked to the creality people and they were saying they're going to open source the printer and also mm-hmm. um but their intent wasn't to have it be like a moddable printer it's supposed mm-hmm. to be something that you just get and use mm-hmm. which is like different than their ender 3 and ender 5 lineup so they're going to keep producing the Ender 3 and Ender 5 for people that like modding, but mm-hmm. this new product is going to be geared more towards like a professional crowd. But we'll see how that goes. Yeah, yeah. Have you guys printed anything other than than PLA on these printers? Any... I, I did PLA and ABS, and I don't think I did PETG. I tried TPU, but my TPU is way too flexible. It struggled with it. Um, I would just tried their profile and then changed it just a little bit, um, but just wasn't getting good flow out of the nozzle. And so I'm sure if you tuned it more, um, but my, this TPU I have is super flexible. So, and it's really old. So that might be another issue I'm having. So <laughs> not sure. Yeah. So we talked about some of the good things. How about, uh, some things they could use to improve on the K1? I think it's a lot of software they could use to work fix. Uh, there was a lot of little formatting things inside the menus where like text would be cut off at the end um, or or the slicer, the profiles, I think, could really be expanded on. Yeah, I, I think uh, what Bamboo, da- Bamboo Lab did out of the gate was really good where they had like all these fully fleshed out print profiles. So you know, you produce the amazing mm-hmm. hardware and you're able to actually get the most out of it with your slicer profiles versus mm-hmm. with the K1. There's two print profiles right now from what I saw. But the good thing about that is they can kind of build that out as they with the products already out there on the market. Mm-hmm. So it just gives them some more time to test and maybe see what other people are doing with their printers and uh, kind of open sourcing the slicer profile creation. Yeah. yeah. What's what's the difference between the two profiles that they have? Uh, 0.1 and 0.2 millimeters. That's it? I mean, there's a, there's a few other different things, but it's like a quality and normal are the two names for it. Yeah. yeah. Um, the extruder, uh, the uh, that was the other issue I had. Um, just changing filament. Versus, the P1P is amazing. Kind of has the slicer in there that cuts the filament. Um, 
and then using the K1, it feels like just using a regular printer again, where it's like, oh, you got to pull it all out of the reverse Bowden tube and push in new filament. And it's like, oh man, the, the P1P is so nice. Oh, all this work. <laughs> so the work. quality of life features. Well, yeah. that's the P1P with the AMS. If you have the regular P1P, you still have to do all the the feeding and stuff. But it no, cuts. But it's not that bad. Doesn't it cut it? Mm-hmm. Or does it not have the cutter in it? Oh, it yeah, the P1P cuts it. Okay, yeah. So the cutting of it is really nice. Um, so when you're not pulling it out, it's got that weird blob on the end. And Oh, yeah, and then you have yeah. to get your clippers out. Clippers and... out and cut it. And just a little nice feature that the P1P has. Yeah, they, they, they finally added a load and unload filament to the, to the firmware. And, and Bamboo Labs does seem to up, upgrade the firmware quite often mm-hmm. on that machine. So I'm sure the same thing is going to happen with the Creality as it as it goes. I, I'm sure they wanted sure. to get it to market very quickly, as quickly as they could. And, uh, you know, they're going to find some bugs, and but hopefully they'll fix them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's always been the, the hard part for them, huh? I, I, said, I, I, I don't have all the experience you guys do, but, you know, I've had some Creality printers, and I don't have that many problems with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but again, I can't really compare it to anything else. I just just received a Artillery Sidewinder X2. Ooh, those are nice. That's one of my favorites in the low budget yeah. range. I, I, I got it last week and I just set it up yesterday and I've put about a half dozen prints through it. And I'm pretty impressed. It's set up really fast, 20 minutes out of the box and I was printing with it. Um, cool. It's very polished. Hmm. It's yeah. the most polished printer I've ever had. Um, um, for me, I was able to get up and running with the Artillery Sidewinder X2 faster than the P1P, just because the Artillery, you just slap the top on, and then you, you turn it on, and you just you know start printing. Yeah, and the, the, the yeah. screws were already mounted underneath it, so you didn't even have to look oh, for yeah. the screws. You just put, put That's the, great. Put, put the, the, the gantry on there and the screws there and, and you're, yeah, you're I don't, ready to go. I don't know if you noticed this, but on the left side of the machine, it's got a little PCI Express port that when you put the top on mechanically, it automatically makes all the yeah. electrical connections. So it's yeah. just like a graphics oh, wow. card upgrade. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. It's pretty cool. Um, I'm going to put it through the, the, the test. But anyways, we were talking about the K1 and one of the questions that we got from Jacob, which I'm gonna, we're going to bring up because it kind of dovetails into the, the subject of the Creality printer. So he says, with the recent debacle between Bamboo and Prusa, and he's referring to a, a, a patent dispute, I was wondering about Bamboo patents. As far as I am aware, a patent is only enforceable if it was an original thought. The only two things I can even think Bamboo has added to the knowledge the community had is the LiDAR and the more precise carbon rods. Everything else about the printer has been done like purge bucket, multi-material, linear advance, and pressure advance. I was wondering what your guys' thoughts on really how much Bamboo could patent. I can't see much damage being done. LiDAR kind of sucks. <laughs> I don't know. And is not needed. And there are other ways to cut weight like the Ultralight 2020. Do you guys know what he's talking about, the Ultralight 2020? That's a aluminum extrusion that's like all CNC'd out. So it's it's like a 2020 extrusion oh, okay. CNC'd to be super light. Okay. Uh, he also says, love the podcast. It gives me some knowledge and entertainment at work. All right. So, did you, are you guys familiar with the the online kerfuffle about bamboo and Prusa? So, um, what I've read about that isn't to do with patents. It's more to do with the open source open licensing. Source. Yeah. Um, because Bamboo Studio is based off of Prusa Slicer. So, you know, Prusa Slicer is an open source project and anyone can copy it and modify it as long as they re-upload the code for it. But, but what Prusa Bamboo Lab- I'm sorry to interrupt, but Prusa Slicer is a fork of, what was it, Slick 3R or something like that? Yeah. So 
Okay, I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. So, you know, Prusa Slicer got its start uh, taking the core code from Slick3R, which was a, a, a project that was going before Prusa got involved. Um, but anyways, in the current day, we've got Bamboo Studio, which is another fork off of Prusa Slicer. So they all have to abide by the same uh, licensing agreements and uh, share their, their source code for things. But what Bamboo Studio has done is they've got all of this code on how to upload files to their printers and manage the communications and all of that. So that's like a whole um, large body of knowledge that they've added to the slicer. However, they're not um, sharing that back to the open source agreement. And the way that they're able to do that is kind of, it sounds like it's kind of a legal loophole. Again, I'm not a lawyer, so... This isn't legal advice or anything like that. But um, the loophole they're using is <clears throat> um, so they're producing all of these communications functions between the slicer and their printer as a separate DLL, which is a, a library. Like in software terms, that's just like a package of software functions that you can import into another program and use. So they're like, oh, we just made this DLL separately. And then we have our open source slicer that's referencing that closed source library. And then that's how we're getting all the, the communication functions working. Um, huh. So, I mean, this is pretty typical of companies that like kind of are pursuing open source with bad uh, intent or, you know, not really wanting to uh, follow the spirit of the agreement. But it seems like there's probably a legal case for them to be able to do that. Otherwise, you know, they wouldn't be doing that. They wouldn't be doing it. Yeah. And you got to keep in mind, Bamboo, uh, Bamboo Labs is a large company. They've got, you know, hundreds of employees. They've probably got lawyers on their team, um, software engineers. So for them, this is them protecting a multi-million dollar profit stream. It's not like, you know, oh, we just want to start drama. It's It's them trying to take over the 3d printer market essentially yeah they're, they're just like everybody else you know the 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 software they've developed that has a cost to them and they're trying to protect their ip right but the, but the but the real question i guess for me is and i, I i'm not a lawyer either is anybody here a lawyer <laughs> i'm not so um there's the whole gpl thing or the general, I think that stands for general purpose license. Is that it? What does GPL yeah, stand right. for? Uh, general public license. I general got the Wikipedia license. up. Oh, nice. Okay, nice. So it's if they're 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 taking something from open source and then changing the code, they should be making it available on the the internet or wherever as open source. But who enforces that? Is there a governing body surrounding this? I don't know. I, I, mean, I think you'd probably have to sue someone to to do in, it. In what court? Yeah. The kangaroo court. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, that well, that I guess that's my question. I mean, it's it's a international thing, so I just don't know what what court system you would go to to plead your case to. Right. Mm -hmm. Right, so now we're getting into like international law and stuff. So yeah, yeah, I don't know anything about it. <laughs> but 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 that's the first thing that comes to mind. It's like, okay, great, they're breaking the GPL agreement. Who's going to enforce it? Well, I you know? think yeah. So uh, like technically, they're saying they're not breaking the agreement because instead of like you know adding all of those functions into the actual code of the slicer, they're just ha producing like a separate piece of software that they're interfacing with from the slicer. So if you actually dig into the slicer, all you see are dead ends that are hopping over into this, you know, closed source library. Yeah. yeah. I dig it. JJ? I feel like a lot of it is just the, uh, the spirit of it. I feel like it feels so closed source. Um, taking something that's open and being like, well, we, we don't fully want to do this. And it's like, right. Uh, why? If you don't, if you don't want to open source what you're working on, how about don't base it on an open source project? Yeah, make your own slicer and have that be closed source. 
And yeah, I guess I'm just not that um, concerned about stuff like that. That's that's things for as far for me, anyways. That's things for other people to to fight about. All I know is I want to benefit from whatever I can. <laughs> Price war because it's all about me. Yeah. All about me. And woodworking. Uh, and woodworking. <laughs> exactly. So, but there, there, there's that GPL stuff is everywhere. I mean, in, in, the, in the software world, you know, a good example is like the, the, the different distributions of Linux that are out there. Mm -hmm. There's 50 different types of Linux and they all have little bits here and there. But none of those people patent all that stuff. All that stuff is all open source. So, but the software, the operating system is open source, but not the software that runs on that operating system. So right. I, I guess that's kind of the way to look at this is that, you know, you've got this uh, operating system, let's say the slicer, and then they're using plugins to do different things on the slicer. They say, well, yeah, I'll make the slicer open source, but like you're saying, JJ, or Nathan, I'm not going to make the plugins. Right. I feel source. like the, the operating idea. system uh, analogy would be like having your STLs that you're slicing on that slicer. My STLs aren't open source just because I use an open source slicer. They're still yeah. my files. Um, mm -hmm. These whole plugins feels like feels like you're changing the operating system and not releasing all your code. Yeah, yeah. it's like. It's like taking your girlfriend out to dinner and being like, I didn't say I was going to pay for dinner. <laughs> you know, it's just well, that classic. If, if, you, if you don't pay, you will pay. Yeah. That's so how that works. Uh, we, before we move on to the next subject, I don't want to let Creality get off the hook here. So mm -hmm. apparently their <laughs> firmware is using, um, is using essentially a version of Clipper or something. I don't know the details about mm. this, but I'm hearing all about it in my comments section. So um, if they're basing it off of Clipper, then Creality also needs to open the source for the software that they're putting on the K1. <clears throat> so the firmware. we'll see if, oh yeah, the, the firmware, mm. yeah. software, whatever, everything. Um, so we'll see if that comes out and hopefully we'll, uh, I would really like to see that because then I could understand things a little bit better and modify my printer more. I, I know if you go to like the Creality GitHub, there's nothing there. There's yeah. a different one. So I did this recently. There's like two I, or three I went of to them. one of their Creality, it was like Creality Official, and it had two <laughs> things on it. And then it was Creality underscore official has like 10 <laughs> repositories on it. Because I emailed one of them. I was like, hey, with the Sonic Pad, this is supposed to be open source. And so they linked me to a different Creality GitHub page that has like 10 or 15 on there. So it was a, it's yeah, a but I, big I, company I, with a bunch of GitHubs. I've, I've seen that. And, and even that with the different repositories, you you start going down to the different levels in the repository. There's nothing there. Huh. There's nothing oh. but readme files. With the Sonic Pad, I did find they did have it's the like, actual firmware source code down in there. Uh, I haven't looked for other things beyond the Sonic Pad, at least. Um, I, I still go keep going back to Big Tree Tech and their GitHub. It's it's extremely impressive. It's incredible. Yeah, they have everything there. They have everything there. So, let's get to the next question. This is from Gary. And I cannot pronounce his last name. Rata, Rata Zach. I'm going to say Rata Zach. Now people it's, are going to be putting in funny names for uh, for guy to read. Yeah, <laughs> just don't put in fake names because I will read them. I'm like Ron Burgundy. <laughs> so he says he's helping family and friends that own a canoe company get started in 3D printing for some accessories and prototyping. I have no experience except for Fusion 360, which is a really good start. Uh, getting overwhelmed with all the info. They are looking for an enclosed unit without the need for a lot of tweaking. First project is printing a high strength carbon, fi a carbon filament. Not interested in units that are not yet on the market and ones without support as this will be used for some light production. Do you guys have some tips to help me get started? 
I hear Prusa the most, but it does not look like they have an enclosed unit. I've watched many videos, but I don't know what I don't know. That's absolutely true. I understand nothing is perfect, but just looking to get them off to a good start while we learn and ramp up. And he says he's a new listener and he's uh, enjoying our podcast. That's that, that I've been in Gary's shoes. I think everybody listening to this podcast has been in Gary's shoes. When you first dip your toes into the water of 3D printing, there's a lot of info out there. You don't know what's accurate and what isn't accurate. And it's just very confusing, especially when you start getting into the, the, the budget consumer market on the printers and not the, you know, three or $4,000 commercial units. What, what kind of advice sure. can you give Gary JJ? So if you're looking, uh, reading through this question, it seems like if you really are going for an enclosed printer, um, my first thought would be going either the bamboo X one carbon, which is enclosed or the new Creality K one. Um, I've never used the X one carbon and the K one might be too small, depending on what sort of needs you need. Um, they are coming out with a K one max, which will be a bit bigger, but again, that's one that's not on the market right now, but should be very soon. Yeah. Um, so those are my two that I would lean towards for enclosed printers. One of the things he mentions on here is it's got to have good customer service. I haven't had a lot of experience with Creality customer service because I haven't had many issues with their stuff. Um, I've had a couple things with the, the bamboo and their customer service has been pretty darn good. Um, if the parts are in stock. Right. If the parts are, yeah, that's, <laughs> I just got a part I waited three months for. Oh, nice. Finally. Finally, finally came in. But they were very helpful. <laughs> <laughs> have you have you had a lot of experience using Creality service? I don't think you have either because you haven't really had many no, Creality products. I haven't had any of those. Um, yeah. The nice um, thing about Creality is that they have all their parts listed or you could probably buy them somewhere else. Yeah. Um, so that's something. Yeah, so with Creality, um, at least with the Ender 3s and stuff, they always have um, parts available online, so you can just buy them. Uh, it, so I, I usually just buy things from online retailers when I need spare parts or replacement parts, because what I run into aren't really warranty issues. They're more of, I did something incredibly stupid issues, and I, <laughs> I feel bad about having them cover the cost of that. Like like welding something to the print head while it's printing? Right, exactly. Yeah. That's not um, it's just, just fun. <laughs> yeah, or installing things that really shouldn't be on there and, and all that. Yeah. Um, but I've talked to a lot of people in my Discord and like in my comment sections, and usually um, Creality is pretty good about sending out replacement parts, especially like main boards if that gets fried for some mm. one reason or another, which happens a lot with my uh, fan base just because I encourage them to do stupid things. <laughs> Um, they they often get uh, main boards and stuff sent to them. So, if you, um, aside from that, though, what what kind of advice can you give them about the printer itself? Um, so the K one isn't super fleshed out right now. I'm not. I haven't mm -hmm. learned enough about it yet to know uh, if that would be a good reliable printer for the job. Um, I mean, it really sounds like this question is fishing for the answer of a Bamboo Lab X one carbon. So. Uh, mm -hmm. That's probably your highest performance, low co lowest cost option there. There's also some more industrial grade printers. Um, one that I could recommend looking into is called the uh, Pantheon Design. Um, I think they only have one printer right now. So if you check that out, I, I was just looking at one yesterday. And it looks like an incredible carbon fiber printing machine, um, which is more geared towards like industrial use. That's around $10,000. So... <laughs> <laughs> it's in a, a bit of a different price range, but you know, it's another option there. Yeah. Well, he, he doesn't really say he's looking for a consumer model or a mm -hmm. industrial model or a prosumer model. I know I see going, going back to what we know more about, but like the, the, the bamboo labs, X one carbon, I see a lot of videos on YouTube of guys that have print farms and they have, you know, a half a dozen of those and they just, love them to death they just, they say they run 
24 hours a day and you know they, they clean off the, the the rods and the inside of them and have very few issues yeah they seem like really reliable just solid fast printers yeah, yeah. and the replacement parts are fairly cheap and unless right. it's a mm -hmm. major part they typically have them in stock I just, uh, you know, the whole debacle with the, the slicers and stuff, it just kind of rubs me the wrong way with uh, Bamboo Lab. So I tend not to, like, you know, recommend them as often just because of that. And also the uh, the cloud functionality, I'm, I'm just not a yeah. big fan of. That's what I really liked about the K1, that it directly sends it. Um, oh, okay. It doesn't, doesn't use the cloud and stuff and so it's like oh that's right. awesome yeah and when you're setting it up do you guys remember when you were setting up your p1ps did it require you to register the printer to get running yep i think so yeah yeah so on yep. the on the k1 when you get to the point where it's like we have this new thing called creality cloud you should sign up right now there's a button that you can press to skip it so i skipped it so <laughs> the less they know about me the better i'm, I'm just paranoid like that so yeah, yeah. i doubt well, Oh, I downloaded the Creality app because like one of the steps I was like, okay, fine, I'll do it. Um, and then I was printing and I was like, wait, I wasn't even using the app. Let's delete this real quick. And then yeah. close to the end of the review, I realized I was just looking around the slicer. And I was like, oh, you could log in to something. But I never even noticed that there was an option to log in. Right. I so, bought a burner laptop to install both the Creality slicer and the, uh, the Bamboo Studio stuff. And I'm going to I'm planning on doing like a side-by-side -side test to check out the different cloud options. Mm, yeah. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I just don't like installing software on my devices that I don't need to. Back in the day, you know, you just had your 3D printer, you downloaded someone else's slicer, you made your files and then sent them over. Uh, my concern there is mainly to do with IP. So like if you're running a print farm and Bamboo has a log of everything you've ever printed and the G-code and the, the 3D geometry, it's like you're giving away a lot of IP for free there. Well, yeah, it really depends on if if they, you know, pick it up and use it though too. You mm. know, there there's no I, I don't think there's been any evidence to support that they're stealing people's IP or if they get hacked from, or from something. The cloud. Just like it, yeah, it is true. on a it is on a cloud somewhere. Yeah, that's and true. So if they get hacked, your IP could get out. If that's important. My IP is not, so yeah. <laughs> I'm not worried. I, I, I don't really care because I, I, I make I design a few things here and there, and if somebody wants to use it, okay. <laughs> I, I, it just doesn't bother me. Yeah. But I can see if you're running a print farm and you, you're, mm -hmm. you've got specific products that you're producing, you know, that is your IP. So uh, when right. the bamboo, when I first got my bamboo, I mean – you couldn't send it directly to the printer. You always had to send it to the cloud. Now you can mm -hmm. send it to the printer. Right. But then you, you're also slicing it on their slicer, which can, yeah. you know, is hooked up to the internet. Um, yeah. I mean, it, it's a, it's a whole can of worms. I think really my point of view is coming from, I've worked in automotive aerospace and defense and it's like, if you ever uploaded anything to the cloud, you'd be fired. So, <laughs> Um, I'm just kind of averse to that stuff and maybe it's just a, a habit for me. Yeah. All right. Um, we've got another question here and this is from Steven Shankles. Hey, says, Steve. hey guys, it's JJ's brother, Steven here. I've been enjoying the podcast. Keep up the good work. I've got a small 3d printer. JJ gave me about a year ago. What'd you give him? JJ, it's the, we do, Tina two, it's just like the, yeah, it's really small, simple. It's got auto bed leveling, which is nice. Yeah. Well, he's had, it's been great fun and making small things and toys for the kids, but I've been struggling to find many useful projects to make with it. I'm a professional furniture maker. Yay. And run my own wood shop. And I'm sure I'd like to talk to him about that sometime. Yeah. And I'm sure there are ways a 3D printer can be used in that context. Can you guys tell me what your favorite uses for 3D printing are? Things that are better or more useful for having been printed. Do you guys print any tools or 
practical stuff that that so my favorite practical thing about 3d printer is how precise it is um because i don't have woodworking skills of measuring and cutting and drilling in the correct spot um so whenever i need to drill a hole that's exactly a certain distance from a corner or something sometimes i'll print out a little guide it'll take two minutes to model and five minutes to print and i just drill straight hole through it and i've got a perfectly aligned little hole that's exactly an inch away from something or um all these little things i'll make just why can't you use your drill press i don't have a drill press <laughs> <laughs> you i don't have a workshop you print one exactly <laughs> But have you ever printed out any 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 tools or anything like that for anything? Um, little pliers and stuff, um, which isn't good for woodworking. It's good for electronics. electronics. Yeah. Um, when you need non-conductive pliers, you just print one out. Um, or I've got some French cleat mounts out in the shop. Yeah, those hanging are cool. things up. And like those organizing cool. tools is a big one. Yeah, the organization is a is a huge thing, you know, and that that it, it it's very easy to do with a three D printer because you can design it really quick because they're just boxes, mm-hmm. and you know you just make them a certain size for, and it's very customizable. So, what about you, Nathan? Have you ever done anything like that? Um, so my favorite three D printable stuff is upgrades for my three D printers, which. <laughs> You know, it doesn't seem like the the best application because you're just kind of stuck in a feedback loop of yeah. designing things to print to put on your printer, and you know. But I share those uh, those files online, so I, I think it's kind of something that I like to do is just like a small R and D thing. Um, but also, I want to work on developing some more products, maybe some stuff that I can sell. Um, so you know, there's commercial applications for 3D printing. Uh, I kind of shy away from doing anything that's safety critical. Like you wouldn't want to print a car part or a bicycle part or something use it or even furniture in certain applications using 3d printing, unless you knew that that printer like produced very reliable and consistent, strong parts, just because the material properties are kind of iffy on desktop 3d printers. Like sometimes you'll print something out and it feels really strong and then Sometimes you print it out and there's just a tiny bit of under extrusion or something and it just cracks apart. So, uh, I mean, really it's, it's kind of delegated to just little, little things where the shape is important and like little cosmetic items. Um, but one of my favorite little things I 3d printed recently was a toothpaste dispenser, like twist thing. Uh, you put the back end of the toothpaste tube into it and it, it like ratchets and, it was really fun. So that's it, pretty it, cool. Yeah, it demonstrates a lot of neat stuff with 3D printing, and it only uses a couple of cents of filament, and mm-hmm. it produces an object that you'd probably pay three to five bucks for at the store. So yeah, it's pretty neat. I, I've I've printed out a lot of stuff for woodworking on the 3D printer, and some of it I can explain what it is, but. You guys probably wouldn't know what the <laughs> hell I'm talking about. Um, maybe you would. Um, so one of the things you do when you make furniture of any kind, even though know, it's something as simple as a cutting board or a desk, it doesn't really matter. You have to put finish on it. And there's these things called um, cones. They're just little tiny standoffs that you put on your work table oh, and you yeah. put your piece on top of it so you can finish underneath it set it on top and then put the rest of the finish over the rest of it and it's not sitting flat on your work surface so it raises it up so they're little printing cones or printing pyramids i've printed out a bunch of those Uh, there's also a very popular uh, tool manufacturer called festool in the and the tool world that's a German manufacturer, and they make a, a table they call the MFT, the multifunction table. It's like a table with a bunch of holes drilled in it, and you put clamps on it and clamp things into it. So I've 3D printed a bunch of little dogs. They're called bench dogs, and they fit in those little holes to butt things up against so I can use my hand plane or whatever. Those are really handy. 
Um, I've printed tri-squares. I've printed clamping blocks. I've printed all kinds of stuff. And the, the easiest way to think of what you might need is you start looking at, and, and Stephen knows what I'm talking about because there's a million little accessories for everything that can be done with woodworking. And if you look at it, most of it can be 3D printed. So you just, instead of buying it, design it and just print it. And once you get two or three of those things underneath your belt, it just becomes easier and it'll become second nature to where you're thinking about, well, tomorrow I got to build this. Okay. Well, I don't have one of these. Then you look on Amazon and say, okay, I need one of those. And you look at the picture and you go, I can design that. <laughs> and you do it in Fusion 360 or SketchUp or OpenCAD, whatever software program you're using, and then print it out. It's pretty cool. It's yeah, funny you that's... Oh, yeah, go ahead, JJ. Oh, the uh, printing tri uh, printing tri painting triangles. Yeah. Um, there was we did one project, um, and so I needed some right now, so I bought one pack of them and started the printer running on a bunch more, so I could start. And then by the time I needed more, the printer was ready. Yeah, so you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, so I, I I always think about what I'm going to be doing like a day or two before I do it. Because mm -hmm. I am going over the process in my head to make sure I have everything I need. So if there's something I need, I just print it out. You were going to say something, Nathan? Yeah. So um, another big application, even in industrial settings, is to print out tooling. So if you need to hold on to a workpiece or mm -hmm. drill holes in precise locations and prevent mm -hmm. like sawdust from getting everywhere, there's all sorts of tooling. And uh, you can build in, you can print in vacuum channels inside of your parts. So like vacuum hold mm -hmm. tooling where you can just like set something down and it'll get suctioned onto the workpiece and uh, just hold everything in place while you do some drilling operations or machining. Um, there's just a ton of opportunities of, of stuff you can do with 3D printing, if, especially if you're doing things in the wood shop. Yeah, another really good example, you're talking about drilling jigs. To attach uh, undermount drawer slides mm, into, yeah. and, into, into to a, a drawer, you have to have a special jig to do it. It's made by a company called Bloom. Those are the Bloom undermounts. And that little piece of plastic with holes in it is like $80. So, or a few hours on a printer. Yeah, and I, I actually designed one up in SketchUp. And, uh, you know, printed it out. It took me a couple hours to do, but still, you know, a couple hours of my time was not that bad, but I saved 80 bucks. And if I ever lose it or break it, I can just print another one. So, uh, and there's so much stuff out there on Thingiverse and printables and things and all that stuff. You just search for a certain tool you're looking for. You'd be amazed at how much stuff is out there already. So, right. I like to think of 3D printers as like there's the parable of the golden goose. A 3D printer is like <laughs> a golden goose. It can just, you know, produce things for you and it really pays for itself a lot of the time. Yeah. Unless you're yeah. addicted to buying 3D printers and you got like 10 of them and, uh, <laughs> and never end up printing with them, which I know some people are like, myself included. So, uh, <laughs> Well, I'm, I'm in the same boat as you, Nathan. I mean, I don't print that much practical stuff. I'm mostly printing stuff so I can tinker with printers I have. Yeah. Yeah. I miss my Ender 3. The smartest thing to do is to just get like <laughs> one, maybe two printers. And then after that, just listen to your wife and uh, don't buy the third. Don't buy the fourth. Just, you'll, you'll end up with way too many. Yeah. Especially with how fast they are with like the they're getting so quick what used to take all day to print now is just a couple hours yeah, yeah. the way i like to think about it is um if you get an under three that prints at you know standard speeds it's going to sit idle like 95 percent of the time if you get a printer that's five times faster it's going to sit idle 99 percent of the time so <laughs> i mean really you should if you need that speed it's just fun to watch the fast printers print mm -hmm. 
and it does inspire you, inspire you to print more. But if you don't have a need for a lot of printing, then um, maybe you don't really need another printer. Yeah, that, that's mm-hmm. true. Yeah, that's true. But you know, we go, you go back to the first question we took about the the gentleman was talking about his canoe business, and they wanted to print out some parts with carbon filament. You know, that's a that's that's a practical thing, and mm-hmm. you have to have a, a a tool, not a tinkering thing. So that's where you know we talked about it before. But like the bamboo would be a, a good choice for that, mm-hmm. or the Creality uh, K one. So. Still waiting. I'm still want. I still want to get mine. Damn it. Well, that's. Uh, didn't you ask for the the full production unit? Yeah, yeah. So they they haven't started shipping those yet. No, they have not. So we just hopefully. want the like hacked together engineering samples. To, <laughs> yeah. To make a video about. You know what? I was really surprised. We we're going to go off subject here for a second, but um, that was a kitty quitty. Yeah. GD, whatever GD it is. Tech. Yeah, they have they had that new line of printers and one of them they discontinued already because they were having some issues with it. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's, so that's something kind they of, stopped kind of shipping. Yeah. yeah they, nope, we're not selling it anymore. <laughs> Do you of you guys get it's one a, of those? I think I thought one was gonna be coming to me and it might still be eventually. Um, but I got a we'll see. GD Tech X Smart three. Um, it's that's, their smallest version of it. That's the one they discontinued. Oh no! I, I think they I think. discontinued the X Plus, and then there's the X Max. Sound the same. <laughs> yeah, I know they need Pro really Plus need Max. To, oh my gosh! They really need to distinguish the names a little bit more. But I think there's the small, the medium, and the large, and the medium sized one is the one that the got medium discontinued. Ones. Mm. How, um, how small is the small one? What's the build it's, size? It's uh, 185 by 185. Oh, that's a, so that's not bad. Nice. Just a fraction bigger than a Prusa Mini uh, for the print volume. Can you give us a, a slight preview of what you think of? Oh it? yeah, I can tell you whatever I, whatever about that printer. So well, I, I don't, I I don't want whole... you to do it instead of you know your video. No, I'll do the video. <laughs> I'm not going to stop that. Um, but uh, I had all the content filmed, and then the K1 showed up, so it got put on the back burner mm-hmm. for a little while. But between the two, I think the K1 is the more impressive machine. Um, yeah. The Chidi Tech is a little bit less expensive, so you know you're coming in at a lower price point. But it was just a little bit more rattly and had a little bit more software issues. Um, like I had it crashing into the sidewalls all the time, because oh, wow. when you start a print job, I think most printers will automatically home the machine as like the first operation, even if it isn't in the start G code. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not 100% sure about that. But in the Chidi Tech, uh, since I slice all my stuff in Prusa Slicer, sometimes the start and end G code isn't right for the printers that I'm, I'm running. <laughs> and for most printers, that isn't a problem. But on the Chidi Tech, apparently it doesn't automatically home first. It'll just, like, if it has an unknown position, it'll just assume it's at like zero, zero. <laughs> and then it just starts ramming into the walls. And, like, and I'm like, ah, and it's a really fast and powerful printer. So it's like very jarring. Um, but that's something they can fix in firmware. Uh, I think other people had issues with their implementation of like a split clipper and touchscreen interface. And sometimes if you messed with things on clipper and then messed with things on the touchscreen, it would like get out of sync and cause a lot of issues. And then the, the last thing about it is it's got a lot of plastic parts. Like it's almost entirely plastic injection molded. And it's using a lot of fasteners that are threaded directly into the plastic instead of into threaded inserts that are put into the plastic. It's mm. just threaded, right? It's like self-tapping screws into plastic. Yeah, into plastic. Exactly. They, oh about my. half the fasteners on the machine are, are that way, including the ones that hold the belts onto the tool head. So, well, if, it, if it's, if it's that fast of a printer and the, the, the head is moving that, you know, for lack of a better word, violently, Mm-hmm. it's going to pull all those screws on yeah. here eventually. I would, uh, I'm not sure. It may or may not, but if if it does pull the screws out, then you're going to have a, a heck of a repair to do. Yeah, yeah, because once those things are stripped out, you're you're done. You got to fill them back in and, you know, put the screws back in. Right, plus uh, you can only disassemble and reassemble it so many times before that, that plastic gets all stretched out. 
versus with metal, you could that's almost infinitely disassemblable. Yeah. Yeah. Disassemblable? Disassemblable and reassemblable. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Okay, All right. word of the and, day. Yeah, it's word of the day. Anything else you guys want to discuss while we're here for our listeners? Um, well, yeah, I mean, I just went to the rapid TCT convention. Okay. It was really awesome. Um, I think if you have an industry event in the area or just, you know, your rep rap festivals or whatever, if you're interested in 3d printing, it's really great to get out there and talk to people that are doing the hobby yourselves. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you, if you know about something coming to town or want to look online to see if there's anything in your area, I'd highly recommend doing it just because we're such an online based community. And it's when you meet someone in person that's actually knowledgeable about 3D printing, it's like, wow, they, these are actual people. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's pretty pretty fun. Well, the what uh, what was the single most interesting thing you saw there? Uh, it has to be all of the applications and different types of metal 3D printing, um, okay. because. You know, there's in the news recently, there was a, a rocket that launched into space mm-hmm. that was made out of almost entirely 3D printed parts. Um, that's kind of the level that the technology is getting to now. Like at, at first I, I saw 3D printed metal parts as like just these kind of novelty items that kind of warped and they weren't dimensionally accurate. They had a lot of issues, but the technology is maturing really rapidly and there's like... Uh, I don't know if it's dozens or hundreds of different metal 3d printing processes that all have their own pros and cons. And it's like such a innovative and evolving industry right now. It's just fun to watch. And I'll be posting some content about that stuff too. Awesome. Yeah. That's, that's going to be interesting to see how that technology advances. Um, I've seen a lot of technology advance in my lifetime and I I can't imagine where the 3d printing industry is going to be 20 years from now. Oh yeah. I think it'll be, I think it'll be completely upside down from what it is now. Well, if there's anything that I've learned about technology and, you know, advancement is if you make a product, you know, everyone's calling these new products, bamboo clones. So I'm going to start calling my car a model T clone. (laughs) There you go. We're just cloning technology. All right. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it, guys. And uh, remember, we really need some questions and participation from you, the listeners. So make sure you go to perfectfirstlayer.com, go to the submit page, and ask us a question. And you can email us at perfectfirstlayer at gmail.com. Thank you, JJ. JJ, why don't you tell everybody where you can be found at? You can find me on YouTube at JJ Shankles. All right. Nathan? All right. I'm on YouTube. Uh, my channel's Nathan Builds Robots. And I just started posting on Twitter just a little bit, but I don't know how long I'll keep that up. It seems like a very uh, interesting place. <laughs> uh, a little bit uh, toxic, but, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Maybe don't look me up there. So, <laughs> <laughs> And I can be found on YouTube at Guy's Shop or Guy's Wood Shop. Either one should take you to my uh, channel. All right. Thanks so much, guys. And uh, we'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. Yep. Right. Bye. Later.